I think that we are under an enormous change and I think the whole industries, which also is what fashion is the best at, are really adapting and changing uh, towards a better future. Hello and welcome to Bridging the Gap with me, your host, Charles Basil. For this, my fourth episode, I'm talking to a true fashion expert. She's the Secretary General at the Swedish Fashion Association and knows all about how to look good, but in a good way. Hi, and a warm welcome to Katarina Midby. Thank you, and likewise. <laughs> Thank you, Katrina. So, Katrina, I just we've got a whole bunch of questions that we'd mm. like to get into, but you know, I think you know one of the things that's that's really interesting, particularly with your background, is this notion of um, of fashion being under attack for being too fast, too short-sighted, and unsustainable. And I know you have a point of view on this, so <laughs> I would love to hear kind of what your point of view is and where you're taking. Fashion. I think there are different opinions and different kind of um, general public uh, perceptions of fashion in different countries. I think we have a very, a very rigid and a very critical one here in Sweden. And this is, to me, is a miracle because we're actually at the forefront, both when it comes to sustainability, to technology and innovation, which are the solutions to... Um, to a more sustainable future because we need technology, obviously, in order to um, to um, maximize um, purchases for uh, for brands. So you don't buy too much. You need to monitor your customers. Basically, you need to experiment and, and uh, develop new materials that are more sustainable. Uh, you need uh, better transport. You need better production, better energy better chemicals, better water use. You need all of that. And for that, you actually need technology. I think that apparently we have the highest number of invested tech startups here in Sweden after the Silicon Valley, which means that we have tons of ideas. We have the spot. We also have the Spotify's and the Klarna's mm-hmm. yeah, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we have the solutions here, which is really cool. So my view on this is that uh, I think that we are under an enormous change and I think the whole industries which also is what fashion is the best at are really adapting and changing uh, towards a better future. Well I, I mean I get a lot of confidence when I hear that you um, you feel confident about the future and it's quite interesting when you reflect and you're saying well actually we started this journey you know before 2006 and mm-hmm. with, in earnest from 2006 uh, so Sort of heading forward, do you, do you foresee any obstacles in your way to really drive sustainability in the industry that you're in? Yes, of course. It's all about consumption, and it's also we've apparently we've jumped six years ahead of time uh, within digitization, digital online shopping, and so forth uh, during the pandemic. Which means that we also have a lot of return goods going back and forth uh, between different countries, where um, we're still. Uh, we're spending a lot of time at home. We're bored. We're ordering things yeah. online. Um, Our family have been um, have been a great supporters of the industry. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. So no, there are lots of problems, of course, and there, there. I mean, there we are nowhere near where we should be. But I think we've come a long way if you compare to. It's important to remember that I think. 
And and what are the what are the biggest steps forward? Do you think that when you reflect on the you're sort of coming the long way? I mean, what are the milestones that you go? Okay, these are milestones that we can bank. These are the statues. Uh, in spite of the obstacles, you know, we can look back and go, we've achieved these. Of course, there's going to be challenges, but we've proven it before. We can do it again. Mm. What would you say have been? I big think, milestones for, for the industry. I think one important thing is that we've started to look at uh, transparency really seriously and uh, with the knowledge and with um, with the openness that kind of entails that I think that makes a lot of a big difference for the industry because um, if you have to um, be open and, and uh, kind of informative about what you do and how you do it, then obviously you need to, you realize that you have to improve and, and also the customers or the users, they also want to know. So I think that's important also that the awareness and the, and the knowledge, although we're still, we still have a long way to go. Reflecting on the fact, you know, that I've come from the outside, so to mm-hmm. speak, into Scandinavia, mm-hmm. you know, I've observed this, you've said it yourself, you know, Scandinavian brands, Scandinavian businesses seem to be leading the way. And you know, coupled with that, Scandinavian design seems to be trending mm. for quite some time now. Mm. Um, who do you think are the forerunners? Who do you think setting the tone in the industry? It, does any one particular business stand out? Or do you think that, you know, and it's, I know it's a tough question for you representing mm. the industry, mm. but is there a way to harness the energy maybe of those that are at the front? I think that... Um and this is not only because I have worked at H&M and I've kind of been involved with this, but of course, it takes a lot of investment to work with sustainability. You have to have a little bit of muscle. So I think it's good that the big brands kind of lead the way and then yeah. the smaller brands can follow. It's just like you. I mean, you also work, Absolute also works with sustainability. I mean, I think in, in many ways, uh, um, we're kind of similar from a Scandinavian viewpoint, you know, the way you produce and the way you work with your waste material and and uh, the way that kind of uh, and also the way you you communicate the way you now with your bottles and you know the packaging and and uh, all the rest of it but i think it's important i don't know what you think about comparing to the alcohol or to the spirits industry but it seems like at least the fashion uh, uh, users really want to know is it the same with uh, when you buy a bottle of vodka? Do you do you want to do you really want to know how it's been made? I mean, I do, but do people yeah. in general? No, I think that's uh, entirely true. Mm. Uh, consumers do want to know. Mm. It's interesting when we did some research in the US uh, mm. to to determine what were the key drivers of choice. Mm. Um, sustainability isn't the number one driver of choice, but it is what consumers are calling a table stake. Mm. So, uh, human issues, you know, how we engage on human. Uh, Societal issues, I think, is, mm. is more of a driver, actually, for, for, for choice. Mm. But every consumer that you speak to, uh, particularly Gen Z, are really saying to us, we'd like to know what's happening you know, behind the scenes. Mm. Show us what's happening inside the kitchen. Mm. So uh, this notion that you introduced early on about transparency, I think, is a big part of our industry as much as yours. Mm. Um, and I, I always laugh with my Swedish colleagues. So this compliment to Sweden, yeah. And uh, and again, I think I'm just echoing something you've said, which is Scandinavia is at the forefront uh, when it comes to sustainability, but are very shy about shouting about it. That's because, the thing. Because from what I've learned, um, when you're trying to be 
the best, not relative to others, mm. but the best relative to the planet mm. and the best relative to what consumers' needs are, mm. that you're never going to reach your destination. Mm. There's always something that's going to be that you can do that's better. Mm. And as the South African in the room, I keep going, hey, can I please shout about <laughs> this amazing work that you're yeah. doing here in Scandinavia? So I guess that's true for you in, the, in your industry position. That's very true. But do you find that you also get criticized a lot and that people talk about greenwashing and that sort of thing when you're just trying to be informative? Yeah, I mean, it's actually interesting because it, mm. it goes beyond sustainability. Mm. You know, I think brands can get criticized for greenwashing and pinkwashing mm. you know, to, around mm. human issues. Mm. Um, and I do think it's really important to have credibility when talking about this stuff. Uh, so that I think that's interesting. And I, you know, when I when I reflect on on your role across the industry, because you know, for me, thinking about our brand and our business, you know, you become you become super proud of what you're doing. When you're thinking across your industry, how do you go about elevating those entrepreneurs, sustainable practices? Uh, you know, getting industry players to talk to one another. How, mm. What's your approach? Well, we have de different ways to do it. I mean, obviously now through the pandemic, it's been very much about uh, kind of providing a platform for these conversations and for these dialogues and also for the obstacles and the challenges that we've all kind of uh, gone through and be a kind of voice also towards the government on those needs, you know, and, and feeding back on the support packages and what else can we do and, and so forth. But I think uh, maybe the which is important to have a pl such a platform for big and small brands to kind of gather. But um, also, um, of course, Fashion Week and also what we do at the International Fashion Week. What are your passion projects at the moment that you think have a have the potential to have that kind of impact where mm. where the others will follow? Any particular project? Really, you know, I don't really work. When I used to work at H and M, we did things like uh, you know we started to work with. Uh, which was big then, you know, we started to convert from from conventional to sustainable materials. And then we we worked with, I put in a lot of effort actually in in making a um, a sustainable wash label for the for the garment that now is used by the whole industry, by the way. So we, I kept traveling to, they're called, um, what are they called again? Anyway, the brand, the, the label is called Klebeke. And we did this together with somebody, it's an equal kind of, um, enthusiasts from Stella McCartney and we kept going to Austria back and forth to produce this but it it does make such a big difference because when, when you look at the life cycle of a of a garment or of a drink maybe <laughs> you know you see where where the greatest impact is and and uh, the user face is enormous but do you think I mean it's one of the so that was a passion project oh, it's a, it's a, a project no, but a, it's a, <laughs> yeah. and I, when I think about projects like that that are mm. making a difference mm. over time and mm. and uh, there's there's a genuine interest from within these industries to to do the right thing. Mm. Th there is a level of criticism that gets you know pointed at anyone in the consumer industry mm. to say, well, how do you balance your the need for profits and growth and driving mm. consumerism? How do you balance that against a mission of sustainability? Mm. I mean, how, how would you I mean, help me to respond? How would yeah, we respond to that? I think yeah, but it's um, it's a bit little bit controversial. I mean, you have to. Um, I think generally, at least fashion clothes, you know, it's such a big discrepancy between the high-end brands and the high-street brands. So the high-end brands are obviously far too expensive and the high-street brands are far too cheap. I think the truth is somewhere in between. And obviously, 
these prices need to be true prices. They are, it's mm. a little bit mad the way it is today, I think. And um, that would help a lot, I think, in evening out, uh, you know, the the amount of clothes people buy. Because obviously volumes are crazy now. I don't, I mean, I'm, I think I'm older than you, but when I was younger, even when I worked at the fashion magazines um, back in the eight, end of the 80s and 90s, we didn't have that many garments in our wardrobes. Now we have, you know, so many things. It's You need three, four coats as opposed to one coat, which is enough, you know. And and uh, and I think that's got a lot to do with the price and, and the fact that um, that uh, things are simply too easy to um, to buy, you know. So, um, sorry, what was the question again? I started to no, no, ramble on about this. Yeah. No, but I think mm. it's I think you've, you've, you're mm. nailing it for me, which mm. is this notion of consumerism balanced yeah. against sustainability. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and money has a lot to do with it. <laughs> that's what I wanted to get to. And it's always about you, you know, it doesn't matter. We can all say, oh yeah, we want to, I want to live sustainably. I'm never going to buy a, a new garment in my whole life again, you know. But then we have, uh, there's also, um, you know, there's also joy in life. <laughs> there's also your ego and you want these things and, you know, you, you think that you, you will feel happier for it. But I think for that reason, the industry has to even up. But at the same time, the high street brands have really led the, the development towards a more sustainable practices as well as materials and, and transports and all the rest of it. So that's, um, that's also quite strange, actually. I just wonder where, where you think it's all going to. Like, what do you think the Swedish fashion industry, maybe the global fashion industry, what do you, where do you think it's heading? What does the future look like in your mind? Yeah, so what is the future looking like? I think um, it seems like we're starting to be a little bit more kind of... Uh, diverse in the way we consume we, we're started to as we are becoming more aware of what's available out there so it's i don't think we which i think is quite cool so maybe you buy a certain part of your wardrobe and maybe you rent another and maybe you choose to buy another part a handbag or something secondhand or vintage or whatever and i think also the the big uh, you know the mountain of waste that uh, that we have in the world there's a word for that in English. I forgot it all of a sudden. I haven't spoken about this for a while in English. What do you call it? The mountain of waste. No, but you said that there is another word for it. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I'll think about it in a minute. We, we, mm. That we say in the fashion industry at least. So, um, first of all, the possibility to recycle and to kind of, uh, you know, save the garment in, or save yeah. the textiles within the, within the loop are much so much more available if you compare to 10 20 years ago you know every almost every brand do a recycling service in store and you get a little bit of a reward for it and and you know and there are so many different sites for swapping and renting and and uh, selling and and all the rest of it so um, so that makes a big difference and also with the materials that we are starting with technology, now that we can even uh, recycle waste from the ocean, for instance, which makes a huge difference yeah. for the for the health of the ocean, which is super important, obviously. Uh, I'm actually extremely worried about that, so I hope that this will yeah. <laughs> that the fashion industry can do something about it. Um, there's so much going on, so I, I think we're heading to something better, and it seems like the younger generation are so aware. You're busy organizing the um, the Swedish Fashion Week, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Um, how's that going? No, it's going well. We're also reducing and slowing down when it comes to fashion week. So we're doing a smaller version, but much more curated and much more... Um, this time we're doing it um, on a theme called Exploring the New Normal. And then we will want to showcase about half the number of brands as last time that are doing different things within this field. It could be materials, could be digitization, it could be uh, creativity, new business models, you name it. And then we are, have, we've actually invited quite a big number of journalists this time to come to Sweden because they were so uh, enthusiastic last time. Yeah. <laughs> so we feel that it's important that we that the brands also, um, because obviously from these past years, uh, numbers have gone down, you know, yeah. it's affected all of us, although the recovery is amazing. But we need to um, get out in the world, you know, be out in the world again. And especially countries like America, we need to take uh, American journalists here to kind of, <laughs> to you know, and buyers because um, it's been closed for such a long time. So we need to kind of to start make this happen again because in order to make a change and in order to be successful, we also need the profits. We also yeah. need to sell. We can't sit here and do it on our own. <laughs> We're too small of a country for that. But I think you've hit the nail on the head for me. You know, yeah. it's uh, sustainability is also creating creating a future by creating. Uh, profitability yeah. that can be reinvested exactly so it's a it's an you know this is a positive cycle that you're creating yeah and uh, let's shout about it to the world as you say <laughs> exactly it's been a real it is a real pleasure meeting you katarina honestly beyond the podcast just a real pleasure to meet you in person <laughs> Likewise, i hope that you. next time we could uh, invite you to the the absolute company for a few absolute martinis <laughs> <laughs> this is a revolution you know what time is. Oh! this is where i league and judge from go. Ah! Listen!